This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. G'day, it's Clint here. Thanks for joining me for this episode. If you've looked at how long this interview is and thought, oh gosh, should I invest my time? You'll be pleased to know that I have created a short summary for you at the start to go over the key points and to highlight them as the main successful strategies that were used by this doctor to help this patient with rheumatoid arthritis. So in this interview, what I do is I interview Dr. Wortland and I reached out to him after I received an email from a woman called Melissa based in South Africa. You will hear when the interview begins how tremendously improved she is from following Dr. Wortland's recommendations. Now, it's an interesting situation because she did not go through the usual path that we talk about on this podcast. She followed the doctor's recommendations and achieved tremendous results. And so I always have my ear close to the ground for these kind of stories and want to share them with you. A couple of sort of housekeeping rules, if you like, to before we continue. Um, first of all, this information, as usual, is not medical advice. I just need to remind you to consult your doctor before making any changes to your diets, exercise, drugs, or supplements. And furthermore, Dr. Worland did this interview out of kindness for me because I reached out to him. And I think because of the way that I went about it and sharing my personal story and so forth, that he agreed to do this interview. He is at the sort of second part of his career. He is not necessarily looking for further exposure or even international clients or anything like that. He just did this for me because I asked him. And so I'd appreciate if you actually don't reach out to him and try and contact him and ask him questions. He did make a point of that before the interview. That would be nice just to respect his original request. And I, in this interview, am just acting as a curious and interested reporter. I'm simply showing you an interesting story related to rheumatoid arthritis. You'll see some of the recommendations are not ones that I've mentioned before. They're not part of the Patterson program or the Rheumatoid Solutions program. Um, That doesn't mean I don't recommend them. It just means that I haven't uh, put them forward myself. So um, I'm in this case just saying, hey, here's a fascinating story and I feel the urge to share it. So. What you're about to learn over the course of the next hour or so, if you wish to go through and watch the interesting interview, um, is that Dr. Wortland first and foremost used acupuncture. So acupuncture was his primary intervention. And what he does is he uses a general treatment at first, and then he goes through and targets subsequent uh, trouble areas of the body using acupuncture on those points. But he makes the clarification that, first of all, he treats generally. And at first, Melissa was going three times a week, and then she slowly spread those out away from the general treatment and onto targeted treatments. Dr. Wortland, upon my request, has also sent a video that one of his staff recorded of him actually doing the acupuncture in the general areas. So you'll be able to go to the uh, to the video 
when we we'll actually watch him doing acupuncture on another patient and see him where he actually puts those acupuncture needles and the approach and so forth. So I hope you find that valuable. That's at the end of the interview. Uh, and then the other things that he recommended to Melissa, he simply told her to stop eating red meat. And she was taking some non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and he said, try to avoid those. She had noticed that although she got short-term pain relief from them, that they tended to make her worse afterwards. And that was certainly my experience in an extreme way when I used to be taking uh, um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs before I started taking methotrexate. I found that after three weeks of taking strong anti-inflammatories, my disease state was significantly worse and I was not able to get back on track uh, to the lower pain levels after that three weeks. He uses a monthly IV drip. So that involves, just as it sounds, being connected to a drip and having a solution infused into the bloodstream with the following uh, vitamins and minerals. So I'm going to read them out if you're listening to the audio version of this. The list are calcium, vitamin C, magnesium, selenium, zinc, vitamin B1, B2, B3, B5, B6, and B12. We do talk about in the interview the inclusions here, not all of them, but several. And one thing that you'll, if you're very, passionately listening to these podcasts, you'll notice that Gabe, who is doing tremendously well keeping his sciatic arthritis at bay, he recently came on the podcast recently and he talked about his use of vitamin B complex, meaning all of these B vitamins as well. And he felt that that had helped him too to become even better than what he was doing first time when he came on our podcast over a year ago. So I made that little note and thought I'd bring that up as well. So there's sort of a a nice little aha moment there. Regarding the selenium, there is a published study showing a direct link between lack of glutathione production and the lack of selenium. So that's an interesting connection there. And in the interview with Dr. Wirtland shortly, um, we talk about how you can get selenium by simply eating um, Brazil nuts. They're very rich in selenium and just one Brazil nut can meet your daily recommended dose. And the other intervention that he recommended for Melissa was oral supplements. And the ones that he recommended were colloidal silver, some iodine drops, hemp and black cumin oil, and selenium tablets. Again, selenium comes up. And once again, vitamin C. As per a few moments ago, some of these uh, supplements here are not ones that I've talked about or I have listed in the program, but just being an interested reporter for you here, these are simply the ones that he recommended and you should uh, research these, investigate these and see if there's something that you would potentially like to incorporate. So that is what we cover in this interview. Acupuncture in detail couple of little tweaks with the diet, IV drip and these supplements. And you'll hear as we transition across now into the interview, 
when I uh, when I kind of set the whole thing up uh, and I read out Melissa's impressive improvements, um, you'll see why I wanted to share this episode with you. I really hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. Welcome back to rheumatoidsolutions.com. Now, let me set the scene for today's fascinating discussion. I get a lot of very interesting emails and This one, however, caught my attention. Let me read from you some points uh, out of an email that I received from a lady called Melissa. She says, I'm a 40-year-old woman from South Africa, and I have three boys. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in December 2019. By May 2020, it flew through my body like a speed train, and each day I was getting worse and worse. And I had made an appointment with the rheumatologist, but the closest one was three hours away and had a long waiting list of a few months. With COVID, traveling was off limits. So there I sat, getting so bad that I could hardly walk. And by June 2020, it was everywhere in my body, my knees the worst. It was in my feet, ankles, shoulders, neck, fingers, elbows, hips, and lower back. I've never wanted to actually go to sleep and not wake up but it was that bad. The pain was indescribable. I had also lost about 20 kilograms in six months and I was fading away quickly. At that time, I heard about a doctor that practices holistically in the town where I live. I was very desperate and I didn't know much about this doctor, but I had nothing to lose. This doctor is a surgeon qualified anesthetist and acupuncturist. And he also has other qualifications in the medical field. And he took one look at me in my awful state. And he simply said, come. From the second week, I was 10% better. And then it got better and better as each week passed. I can tell you now that I'm almost 100% thanks to this doctor. And I have not had to take a single drug, not even an anti-inflammatory. I have watched many podcasts of people on your channel with rheumatoid arthritis and how they are dealing with this condition. And I thought my success story would also be very interesting. And so today on this episode, I am joined by Melissa's doctor to tell us what did he do to help Melissa so dramatically over those several months and so we can learn from his approach. From South Africa, welcome, Dr. Wertland. Uh, I am not an acupuncturist. I am not an anesthetist. I'm a medical doctor healer. Okay. Just happened to be practicing anesthesia for years. And now I am doing, I'm focusing on acupuncture for 40 years now. I did a lot of things in my professional life. I started uh, doing surgery as a medical student. Due to the background, uh, my father was a double specialist, and he also started with surgery. 
my mother was a teacher, but uh, went on learning. She's got her master's at the age of 54 and her last degree at the age of 79. Actually, <laughs> she should have had it at the age of 80, but she did it in short time because, in her words, be at 80, it would attract too much attention as being old. Oh, my gosh. So she did it quicker than the time it normally <laughs> takes to finish. In two years, what would normally take three. So, yeah. you know, with that background, I went on learning all my life. As I said, I started with surgery as a student. I started by pushing the patients on the trolley from casualty to x-rays, then uh, suturing the simple wounds and all that. I actually even lost quite a few girlfriends due to that. Uh, I had a date on Saturday, but I was in the hospital and some emergency operations came. So what was the priority? Assisting <laughs> <laughs> at the operation. Anyway, so also after qualifying, I went doing surgery. And uh, then I decided uh, to be to become an anesthetist, not uh, in 1966. But due to circumstances, I went on doing surgery for a few reasons. First of all, uh, this was in Czechoslovakia where I grew up, became Czechoslovakia after the war. And uh, there, you couldn't go and specialize in anesthetics straight away. First, you had to do a six months surgery, six months medicine, six months gyne and obstetrics, six months of your choice, and then one year surgery or orthopedics or whatever. And you had to have primaries in medicine or surgery. So anesthesia was regarded as almost a super specialty, and which to me makes sense. How can uh, an anesthetist give an anesthetic for an operation when he doesn't have a clue what the surgeon is uh, going on? That has shown in Johannes' book after I eventually went to anesthetics. You know, uh, when we get later to the topic of real medicine and all that, and the, it's, the subject is so vast that I could talk for hours on uh, just this bit and this bit and that bit. So if I get carried away, uh, you must please stop me and uh, direct me. Well, let me stop you right there and say that I completely see you know, where you're coming from and, and, and how much wisdom and, edge and experience that you have and what we could talk about. Let me try and give you some framework so that we can try and help this particular audience as much as we can. Our yeah. audience have inflammatory arthritis. They might have rheumatoid arthritis or sciatic arthritis, ankylizing spondylitis. Some people have Crohn's disease, fibromyalgia, and so on. So, fibromyalgia is not a diagnosis. So, 
if we can extract from your many decades of experience and lessons learned to be able to give this audience as many insights as possible as to what you've seen work in your clinic, because when I've read out this information at the start from this email, this is not the normal outcome for people with rheumatoid arthritis. This does not happen to most people. So could you narrow down the information for us to begin with and talk about Melissa? What was it like when you saw her? What condition was she in and what did you immediately decide to do? I did uh, what I did to thousands of people before her, getting their bodies to heal themselves. You see, any illness, condition, disease or syndrome is just local manifestation of malfunction of the system. Uh, if you have chronic sinusitis, that doesn't mean that you've got disease, sinus in healthy body. Washing out your sinus will not cure you. It may relieve the symptoms, but to get a cure, you've got to boost immune system and check up and get rid of allergies. Okay. Human body can heal itself. And the scientific proof of it is placebo effect. But let's go back uh, just now. Uh, The human body, what I've been telling my patients for 50 years, is like a motor car that's got 10 carburetors, 10 radiators, 10 braking systems. If one breaks down, the next one will kick in, and next one, and next one. You can malfunction very badly without that malfunction showing up. Melissa's problem didn't start in December. It was most probably there for decades, but the body was still keeping up. Then usually some event happens that breaks it down. With Melissa, I started with uh, acupuncture. And incidentally, when I went into acupuncture full-time, and uh, after two, three years, people were asking me, so now, did you find your niche? I said, uh, I'm doing acupuncture at the moment, but if I'll find something better, I will change tomorrow. Forty years later, I still haven't found anything better. Wow. I'm still doing acupuncture. Wow. And if people knew about acupuncture, ah, 30 years ago, when I used to teach acupuncture to doctors, I used to say, actually, that's more than 30 years, (laughs) that our so-called modern medicine is in principle 19th century medicine, just uh, using modern technology and brought to perfection. We are 21st century medicine, just in its infancy, and using primitive technology. The technical know-how was there, and uh, there were people with knowledge 
in seventies there were guys that got Nobel Prize for medicine for their work on acupuncture. And dolphins were discovered as a result of research into acupuncture. Okay. Now, <clears throat> but this is what I've uh, been telling for many, many years. Did you say endorphins? Uh, endorphins, yep. brain chemicals. Yep. You okay. didn't know that. No, no, I didn't. I didn't know endorphins were discovered via acupuncture. No. Do you want to know how? Sure. <laughs> when Nixon uh, went to China, uh, he had a doctor. He had some doctors with him as well, and they were watching operations done without uh, anesthetics with chemicals and uh, only under acupuncture. And uh, so people started looking, how is it? Was it psychological? That's what I was asked by colleagues in the hospitals when I started acupuncture. Ah, acupuncture, it's all in the mind, it's all psychological. I said, yes, that's why it works better on animals than on people. And uh, guys that did Caesarean sections on cows in Germany in 72, using just electroacupuncture, they must have been fantastic psychologists, eh? <laughs> right. So what you're saying, if I may, is that, is that because it works effectively on pain reduction in animals who don't know no. what intervention is happening, then there isn't a psychological impact. Now, endorphins, uh, they started doing ex a lot of experiments on animals. Uh, there was one with rabbits when they uh, used a thumb screw on their paws and they registered the uh, time at what pressure they started responding to pain. Now, they gave them acupuncture and they found that they could use pressures three times, five times higher. Then they put rabbits on the hot plate. <laughs> uh, don't try it at home. And uh, they registered the temperature at which uh, rabbits started hopping mad. And then they gave them acupuncture and they found that they tolerated temperatures much, much, much higher. Then they connected, they took a cerebral spinal fluid from acupunctured rabbits, injected it into non-acupunctured rabbits, and they found that they could tolerate the same pressures and the same temperature. So wow. obviously there was some neural humoral factor involved. Mm. They labeled it substance P for pain. Then Later, it was identified chemically that it happens to be chemically related to morphine. So they, they, they started calling it endogenous morphine, hence endorphins. And uh, a lot of endorphins uh, were identified. A lot of other 
brain chemicals were discovered as a result of that. But you see, I told you I could talk for hours. Yeah, that, about, that is a fascinating. That's a fascinating uh, connection. Now, mm-hmm. this is uh, back to uh, Melissa. I call my mm-hmm. patients by uh, surnames. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm, but, I'm using <clears throat> I'm just using Melissa because just for her privacy purposes. That's all. Yeah, I know. Yes. Um, so we can t- can continue with Melissa. I uh, told her to to build her immune system and to get her whole body to function the way it should. That I can uh, help with acupuncture. And she should take some supplements. Now, I routinely recommend to my patients selenium and zinc. That I have been doing for 50 years. Uh, In old days when medical aid even paid for supplements, I uh, had a combination of points uh, of, of, of substances that I would recommend and I would prescribed for my patients. Yes. So this is a kind of routine. You can start taking it yourself as well and give it to your children. And uh, if there are some grannies watching, then give it to the grandchildren as well. Well, what we do in our house is I give my kids one Brazil nut every morning. I have one myself. There's a, you know, obviously there's a very high amount of selenium in Brazil nuts. Brilliant. And also essential fatty acids, you see. But now, so selenium, zinc, and hemp seed oil. Now, cold-pressed hemp seed oil, it's got all the omegas, not just omega-3 and 6. So this is my routine start for, for virtually everybody. How much in hemp seed oil? Sorry. And I might jump in a few times just because I know the questions that the audience are going to want to know. So I'm going to jump in a little bit. One tablespoonful, one tablespoonful is enough yep. to start with. Uh, you can have even more, uh, like using it in your salads or uh, some food. Then in her case, I recommended silver, colloidal silver, and another element. And uh, Lugol, so you see it's a selenium, zinc, Lugol, that's iodine solution, oral, and silver. Yeah, now I didn't understand that one. What is this uh, uh, the iodine? Can you tell us about Oral iodine solution. Iodine is one of the very important uh, elements for the general function of our body. Uh, but it's uh, been suppressed, like everything that is cheap and effective. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and uh, black cumin oil. Yeah. You see, uh, there is also Siberian pine nut oil. It's all for the essential fatty acids, uh, but that one is a little bit more expensive. And I always think of the patients finance. I try to keep my stuff as uh, just to the minimum and to do essentials. Yes, yes, I see. Let me summarize where we're up to so far. So 
we've got a recommendation of doing acupuncture and you've given us some uh, some great sort of animal examples of how uh, pain tolerance was increased dramatically through what we now know as or call endorphins, which were actually discovered by these, uh, you know, experiments. And then you recommended to her in parallel to her acupuncture treatments to take selenium, zinc, colloidal silver, this uh, Legol's iodine solution, hemp seed oil, and black cumin oil. And was she nodding along and saying she would do all of these things? No, no, this is not just endorphins. Uh-huh. The uh, acupuncture, all right. Not just on you for your body's cortisol. That's yep. they you get cortisol pills or injections and gave you acupuncture and repeated blood tests for cortisol, you would see that your levels went up. Hello. <laughs> also. Have you heard of interferons? Interferons? Interferons. Now, the mm-hmm. biologics now, you pay $15,000 for a, a drip. Yep. Now, interferons are body's own antibiotic or super antibiotic like substance. Mm-hmm. They were discovered in the 70s. And uh, you and I, we are producing our own interference. That's how they were discovered. When you grow uh, tissues in the laboratory and introduce uh, vitamin uh, <clears throat> cancer cells or viruses into the cells, they will respond by producing interference, but in the growth medium, you will have to have a high level of vitamin C or caffeine. You know, don't let anyone tell you that coffee is bad for you. eh? Coffee is good for you. So, interference. Now, that explains why my father was uh, curing his patients with viral infections with intravenous injections of uh, calcium and vitamin C. That was that started with calcium on uh, the beginning of 20th century and uh, intravenously. And uh, then that was my grandfather's generation. My father's generation added vitamin C to it. I added the B group vitamins to it and few other things as uh, our knowledge and technology uh, changed and evolved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. So there's, there's the additional impact then of the acupuncture that you've introduced us to, which we didn't cover in, in the first pass of the acupuncture discussion, which also is helpful for the patient but you're saying in a laboratory setting that it activates only with in the presence of vitamin C and calcium. So we need to add that to the body for the body to respond to the acupuncture intervention. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, uh, I'm trying. 
body produces its own interferon. I can stimulate body's interferon's uh, production by acupuncture. American Medical Association commissioned an in-depth study into acupuncture in the 70s when all that uh, involvement was happening. The team published, they presented their report, and they had so much information, they even published a book titled Acupuncture in Medicine, 1980. And they uh, studied acupuncture institutes in America, somewhere, and uh, they treated patients with various diseases just with acupuncture, and uh, they treated rheumatoid arthritis, and they had a cure rate of over 80% just with acupuncture. But you see, they were acupuncturists. I'm not an acupuncturist. I have a knowledge of interference as well and a lot of other things. So, theoretically, most of the people could be helped just, just with the acupuncture. Like, my father was curing his patients with shingles just with the calcium and vitamin C intravenous injections. And with severe, all the other viral infections, not just shingles, but people had to come uh, for 10 days for those injections. I can cure shingles just with acupuncture. I can, no, sorry, I don't cure. I can help your body to heal itself just with acupuncture or just with the laser locally stimulating the body's immune response. I am combining now by adding the B-group vitamins into that cocktail, into my drip, I speed it up again because I'm introducing another level. Your body needs vitamin B6 to stimulate production to help production of circulating antibodies. So, as I said, your human body can heal itself. Now the question is, why do we get sick if we have that uh, building mechanism to heal? With humans, it becomes uh, complicated by the fact that a lot of problems can Rewind. We overload our systems with too much rubbish that we don't need, and that's toxic food, toxic thoughts, and fear. We don't, and certain for our Western way of uh, eating, and not only Western, so do you. Human body, we were designed. To consume, to get sodium in single digits, in 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 the very low dosages, we do need sodium absolutely, but we are getting sodium 
in thousand, five thousand times uh, more. We're getting such an overload of sodium that it's that. 40 years ago, I used to say that is the cause of most of the modern diseases. And it is a major contributing factor about the sodium. Mm. And we don't supply our bodies with stuff that we cannot produce ourselves. And we need to get in our food. And essential fatty acids are one of them. And uh, trace elements and minerals. Mm-hmm. Back to Melissa. Yes. We started with these uh, supplements, but I told her that we'll show later, and that you should take it for at least three, four months on a daily basis, and then maybe something different, or only when you uh, remember it. And I started with acupuncture, and to start with, I gave her my vitamin drip, uh, you've got uh, on yeah. things what's in there. Yeah, you've got your vitamin <laughs> drip is vitamin C, calcium, B vitamins, including B6 and zinc. No, there, there is much more than uh, in my oh. in my drip. There's magnesium and oh, uh, okay. Got, maybe I've got an. I might have an out of date document here. <laughs> this is the one that I was uh, that my I printed out. Vitamins intravenous. And acupuncture. She came back two days later, and uh, she was in a uh, lot of, on the 27th of July. Then on uh, she had two three treatments. On the 3rd of August, she complained bitterly about one knee. She could hardly move it and all that. So I told her, to paint it with iodine solution, strong iodine solution. You see, I've got uh, some modern books and I'm watching what's been going on. Not so much now because a lot of what gets published is false news. But uh, in the 80s, I was uh, following on all the research and I had a link with a Academia via a son, and uh, but I also have an old books. I got a British Pharmacopoeia of 1934. It's on my desk in my in my rooms in my office, and I use it quite a bit. And uh, they use uh, iodine in old days, so I told her to paint the whole knee with the iodine, which she did. She came back two days later for another uh, treatment for acupuncture. She looked at her knee, and that knee was not brown. And I said, what happened? She said she painted it, and it was was dark brown. And within uh, two hours or so, there was no trace of iodine. So obviously her body was so short that it absorbed it through the skin virtually instantly. So I told her to repeat the iodine for the second time. You've got to be careful with iodine, although if you use it on warts or whatever skin blemishes, uh, you mustn't overdo it because iodine will first damage 
cells that are already damaged. But eventually, it will damage even the healthiest cell. Makes sense. Mm. Okay. Now, so I, we went on, carried on with acupuncture. And how did her knee, what was her knee looking like after the iodine intervention? Did the iodine intervention improve the knee by reducing the swelling or any symptoms? Yeah, there, there was a bit of, uh, there was a relief, yes. But uh, the swelling, it took a long time uh, yes. with the acupuncture, but there, there was a response. So we went on with acupuncture, and when the pain eases off, then we start spreading the treatments because it's not uh, only the number of treatments that is needed with acupuncture, it's also the time factor. You see, experiments with radio-labeled protein molecules have shown that uh, you are actually getting even a new brain occasionally, periodically. Mm -hmm. uh, they all the molecules of protein gets broken down and rebuilt. And the cycle takes from 10 days for the proteins of blood and liver, so our liver can regenerate, and on the other end of the scale, 158 days and 160 days, it's bones and the brain. That's why I recommend my patients to take supplements for that period, because when your body gets rebuilt, to have these trace elements and those things present there at that time. That's why I don't tell people you must take it for the rest of your life because human body is a perfect recycling machine. For instance, calcium osteoporosis, that's not a result of getting too little calcium. Your bones were built. The thing is, it's excess of sodium. When human body, we can excrete excess sodium only up to 3,000 milligrams per 24 hours. To get rid of more sodium, other minerals escape with it. So mm -hmm. to help your body to remain to a recycling machine, you must cut out sodium. Okay. Now, we get excess sodium 85% without knowing about it. I'll give you an example. It's not that little bit of sodium put on your food. In my desk, at, uh, in my office, I've got a glass jar with salted nuts. And I saw it. It's there for 40 years. Uh, everybody can see and taste sodium in salted nuts. Instant chocolate pudding has got three times more sodium, and you don't see it there, you don't taste it there. So I said, everything preserved 
everything instant is loaded with sodium. Cut it out, then you have problem. High blood pressure, especially. Everything preserved? Uh, yes, even frozen vegetables. When you go to your garden and pick up peas and eat them fresh from the pod, 100 grams got 2 milligrams of uh, sodium. When they're frozen, it's got 160 milligrams of sodium. Again, they taste so sweet. Okay, so be aware. And instant, that means even instant coffee. This is a coffee from the coffee machine, proper, freshly ground. And uh, in past 10 years or so, even in the newspapers and Malay publications, you find articles that uh, coffee drinkers live longer and healthier. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you some uh, what-if questions then. So what if people are now motivated to go and get some more acupuncture work done if they have had it done before or they're now looking at, at finding a local practitioner? From personal experience, I had acupuncture done when I was really inflamed, probably in a similar state to what Melissa was when she presented to your clinic. I was not doing those other interventions that you recommended, and I did not see any, any impact at all from the acupuncture. And therefore, my question is, what do people need to look for with their acupuncture treatments? Is there something you're doing that is different or is there something they need to ask for that works best? Your acupuncture, what did they do to you? Yes. You had pain in joints? Yes. I had, uh, at that time, it was very severe in my left knee, but I also had little highlight pains throughout my body, just like Melissa. I think it's very fair to make a comparison. And the treatment right. I had, the treatment I had was mostly localized to the leg, targeting the area that was showing symptoms the most. You see, that is the problem that uh, most acupuncturists make. You come with a pain in the knee, and they stick the needles into that knee. I uh, would never stick the needles into your knee at the first <laughs> or second visit. Uh, what did I say about chronic sinusitis? Washing out the sinus doesn't help. We've got to get the whole body into proper working order. And I work, I try to help every department of your body, okay? That's why, and also a very important part is your mind. And I have a combination of points, which we call tune-up or general, uh, from general detoxifying and stimulation. It's just the general. Oh, it's a tune-up. What do you do to your motor car? Give it a tune-up and then your car works well. So uh, we work on the whole body, immune system, body and mind. And that's, these are the first treatments. 
how many patients come to me with a backache and they ask me, but you're not sticking needles into my back. There is nothing going with my hands and my legs. I said, wait, they come next day and say, doctor, my back is better. And also by doing this general, every day I have patients that had five, six treatments and they say, doctor, I never told you. I also have got sinusitis or piles and you never gave me a treatment for that, but it's better. Of course, your body heals itself if you get it functioning properly. I love that. I love that. And look, I know that um, you are probably unlikely to be able to assist people all around the world who are part of the audience for this episode. And so may I may I push this a little further and say, where are those points that you treat? Or is there a document that I could share with people to share with their acupuncturist? Because, you know, it does feel like um, there's more detail in this than just going to your, just going to the next person that you can find in your, you know, on a Google search. Well, uh, my father told me when I started medicine, medicine is a blend of science and art. Okay, so you can be an artisan, but uh, this bricklayer is uh, different to the next one. A. B. In all this, medicine, nursing, teaching, we're calling. Today, it's just the job for a uh, huge percentage of the people that are doing it. That's why I was telling my uh, sons when they were uh, children, when they were little, we said, good night, please, you won't become a doctor. <laughs> you, you either apply yourself fully for which uh, one Sunday in March, my wife told me, you know, this is the first Sunday this year that you are not in that hospital. And uh, I was not on call every Sunday or seven days a week, but I was in that hospital seven days a week because in my intensive care unit, I had equipment that I uh, didn't have the new doctors that could operate it. I had first several 900 respirators in South Africa in 1975. Johannesburg General Hospitals got them only in the late 80s. I had asked to machine for the uh, to do blood gases mm. uh, in my intensive care unit. That was nobody in any intensive care unit on Southern Hemisphere had that. Wow. I was that that was in the, in the 70s. But you see. Like when I did surgery in Slovakia, then in Austria I did accident surgery. I worked in a hospital that was owned and run by nuns, Krankenhaus des Deutsches Orders. And uh, they had a frail care unit where all these old nuns were, and uh, every newcomer was given that word 
to do because everybody was fed up with it. I didn't take it as, hello, here, why must you me? Vast majority of these nuns had very close ulcers uh, on, their, on their legs, and they had dressings, and they were doing their dressings for years. Now, I divided them into three groups, and this first group, I started using extract of uh, chestnuts, that is was commonly used in those days and still might be Peruvian balsam that in all days was used as well. And the third lot, I don't know what, uh, I can't remember what. All three started improving at the same rate, but then leveled off. So I swapped it. And ag again, they started improving, and then they leveled off. You see, your body, even with acupuncture or whatever you are doing, if you, your body adapts, and what happens, all these little hochos uh, that uh, you're trying to get rid of, they also adapt. Resistance to antibiotics. Okay, so also with your supplements, it uh, don't carry on forever. The, with the basics, yes, and uh, periodically you need your magnesium and uh, all those things. But <clears throat> now let's rewind. Yes, let's go back to are there specific, is there a specific set of points on the body that you like to target? The most difficult thing that I had to get across to a doctor's in the 80s when I was teaching acupuncturists, you may have two patients with a completely different problems and you may have to use the same combination of points for them. Then you can have identical twins with the same problems, and you may have to use completely different combination points for them. The problem is, I said 30, 40 years ago, one day, we will have a scan, but not like the scans we have at the moment. We'll have a scan that will scan the electromagnetic field of your body. And you will have a blueprint of ideally healthy human. And then you will look at the difference. And by that, you will pick up where the problem is. And then how you will treat the problem, that's immaterial. But this will be your main diagnostic tool. We're still worrying about the physical. I can describe a battery, exactly tell you how much of what is in there, 
what matters and what what not. But is this battery alive or is it charged or is it dead? Uh, mm. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think you've answered it accurately, but not in the way that I expected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay. The acupuncture points. Look, with uh, my vitamin D, 30 years ago, people came and say, I've got a daughter in, uh, in California or in Sydney, and uh, I would like her to have that. I said, no problem. I've got in the computer uh, what I use and the dosages and what makes and all that. Sure, I had no problem sharing the, my experience and my knowledge. With acupuncture, it's a little bit more uh, tricky, but the, every trained acupuncturist will know how to do the how to treat the whole whole body. That's the, that's the main uh, that's the starting point. If uh, the people come to me and one knee is twice the size of the other and red and hot. I don't even look, don't touch that knee. If I gave this patient acupuncture, well, there would be dramatic response, but first for a couple of hours or maybe a day or two, that patient would be in such a pain <laughs> that I would never see this patient again. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's not that at my loss, at his loss. Uh, the thing is, when you put the healing process on fast forward and a supersonic speed, then you will get these things happening. Mm. I would still do it in emergency for the people uh, that uh, will be leaving my town tomorrow and they cannot come again. I would do that. And, but uh, I would tell them, take four aspirins, even before, and if the pain starts and gets uh, unbearable, uh, unbearable, take another four aspirins. And if the pain is still there, take another four aspirins. You know, uh, aspirin is a very safe drug and uh, has been used uh, for treatment of arthritis for decades. And in, I, show you, uh, I could show you an article uh, about aspirin and arthritis uh, from uh, 19, published 1980, when the guy said, push up aspirin until you get tinnitus, well, tinnitus, tinnitus, buzzing in the ear, and then reduce the dosage a little bit and carry on, carry on with that. Okay, so now what points to use? The secret is to start with getting the whole body. And trained acupuncturists have ways and means of determining that. As I said, that guy, uh, two people, twins with the same problem. Yes. Uh, two people with the same problem. 
using two different uh, combination of bonds. I look at their tongues and they use tongue as a guide to what combination of bonds to use. So every experienced acupuncturist will do that. Mm. Okay. Yes. Okay. So thank you. There is obviously a, uh, a lot of your own uh, diagnostic experience that goes into making a decision on those points. And your comment around this is that you cannot suggest points because every individual is case by case. And therefore, people should ask their own acupuncturist to do their experience diagnostic. But you would add to that that the first approach should be a general well being approach with the points, Correct. not a targeted approach. To treat the immune system, yep. and hormones, and, and all that. Yep. Now, one thing that strikes me when you speak of acupuncture is the potential immense impact that it can have. And I think that this does uh, contradict with a misconception that it is subtle and that it is potentially uh, in the noise with regards to its ability to make changes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like in the noise from a scientific measurement point of view. However, the way you speak of it is that its impact is profound. Can you tell us, um, can you reinforce that through um, just some examples uh, other than Melissa's in what you've witnessed in your clinic? On particularly about uh, arthritis. Yes, please. Or in health. Oh, arthritis uh, would be even better. If you've got arthritis or if you've got whatever, it is a malfunction of the body. And uh, with acupuncture, we can help your body to heal itself. The problem is, like in 1983, first couple of patients, I newly diagnosed with diabetes, and one of them was a school kid. I treated with acupuncture. When they were all right, I waited for 18 months. Then. I didn't take blood. Somebody would say I was fiddling with it. The blood was taken in the laboratory by uninvolved people. They were okay. I wrote it up, sent it off to South African Medical Journal, and it was never published. The first acupuncture course I went to was in Cape Town. It was organized by uh, the ex-captain of uh, Springbok rugby team, Ian McCallum. He did a course in the UK. When he came back, started doing acupuncture, his friends were asking him. He said, let's do a course here. There was another anesthetist. There was a rheumatologist. There was professor of radiology from Stellenbosch with two consultants. Why are you here? Now, we read about it, and the medical schools around the world are using it, so we decided we will try as well. Two years later, I was organizing a course here in East London. I found everybody, said, guys, let's get together and compare notes. The professor said, I'm not doing acupuncture anymore. I was given an ultimatum that if I want to remain professor, no acupuncture. Wow. Okay. So this is our problem. I 
gave anesthetic to people, uh, to Jehovah Witnesses uh, that were so anemic that no anesthetist would go near them. In Johannesburg, I, they, was, they were queuing up to get me uh, for all the difficult cases. Because with my surgical background that the other anesthetists didn't have, I would go there and I would examine the patient from a surgical point of view. And if I, sometimes I would say, did you try this or this or that? So try this first. Or if I was happy that that patient will die when he's left alone, then I would give anesthetic. The patient still may die. But at least we're giving uh, the patient a fighting chance. I never lost a patient. And I've given anesthetic to the patients for emergency operations. Guys from medical intensive care unit that had heart attacks the day before. Can you imagine anesthetists <laughs> or spinal operations? that normally would take, often take three, four hours, very major surgery. With me, half an hour, even less. How? Why? I would position the patients with a back up, and uh, I would bring the blood pressure down uh, to below 60, because normally the blood is oozing from all over the bones and all that, and Surgeons and assistants say, suck, 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 swap, 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 dry. Then they can see and they can work for two seconds and then it fills up with blood again. I gave them bloodless fear. So they could work without interruption. They could do what they wanted to do. Then I would tell them, step aside and I would bring the blood pressure to above normal. Very high. So if there were any bleeders, they could pick them up and stop them. And then I say, go finish to see it. <laughs> so oh, that's I had my fun as an anesthetist, I can tell you. <laughs> wow, wow. Goodness. Okay. Well, how do we how do we draw this conversation to a conclusion now? Um that's, there's some fascinating things there, and uh, I, I was really drawn into that story that you just told about how you reduced the surgical time. That that that's very very clever. So, let's say someone's watching this; they have enjoyed our conversation and 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 the path that we've taken to try and understand all of the nuances of how you intervened with Melissa. They have they they they're motivated to you know, go and, and take some action to improve their health. And they've heard about your supplements that I will list on the show notes on the website where we publish this. And uh, they're thinking, well, I can go to one of these new clinics where they can get these IV drips and they can get some, you know, high mineral, uh, high vitamin drips if they choose to. And they're interested in the acupuncture and they're going to speak to the acupuncturist about getting some um, diagnostic work, and then some general work first. Do you expect that if people do this by following your protocol but on their own, do you expect that they will improve or there are some things, little 
little tweaks that we need to also know? Look, um, what do we got there? You're holding up a picture. A picture of a one dog. Of my, they brought her to me when she was three, uh, four years old. <clears throat> and uh, the, the vet said, listen, we either do hip replacement or put her down. And uh, the parents or the owners said, listen, how about acupuncture? It's okay, you can try. Uh, about two years ago, a young lady walked in and uh, I recognized her. I didn't see her for many years because she uh, left South Africa. And uh, hello, do you remember her? She said, do I remember her? She lived to be 13 and a half, okay? And I actually even found her old card the other day. I was looking in a, for kind of some other patient. She had just a handful of treatments, recovered fully. And uh, in the last day, she was still hopping around. When her owner was sick, she was bringing him her toys and uh, all that. She was in perfect health. And when he passed away, then she uh, stopped eating and all that they put her down. But her hips were still all right by the time of her death. Okay, so if uh, that's why I say with people, it's tricky because I hear so often. Oh, nothing will help me. Nothing can help me. Well, if you made up your mind that nothing will help you, then of course nothing will help you. But uh, that's why at one stage when uh, there was that attack on acupuncture and acupuncturists, oh, correction, doctors that were doing acupuncture. I used to say, ah, I'm going to treat only animals and babies. They respond very well, and they respond 100%. So, but uh, with uh, humans, the problem is our genes get programmed. We have, it's virtually all of us the same genes. This genetic thing, it's a bit of bit of overdone. But some genes are loud and some genes are quiet, silent. And they get programmed in a fetus by what the mother eats. And the problem can show only on a second or third generation. The mothers, the granny was eating correctly, the mother is all right, but while she was expecting she was not eating correctly and damaged the genes of the baby. But with acupuncture, we can reprogram these genes. And that has been, they did experiments also on animals that nobody knows about it. You see, there is false news all over, and the medicine is not an exception. I'll give you one more 
example. Mm -hmm. That that guy holding, up, holding up a newspaper, published newspaper article that's been laminated called Depression Drugs Don't Work. Tell us the relevance of this. The guy says that if authority that give uh, licenses for some antidepressants they had access to all the clinical trials that were done on those that they might not have been on the market 2008. Uh, some researchers started digging into how true is this statement and uh, about a they came uh, to results about one antidepressant. Uh, there were 35 clinical trials that said, yes, that drug is good for you. They were all, all, all bar one were published. They were all in pay of the drug companies. Independent researchers, there were five studies that said maybe there is some benefit of those two were published. And there were 31 studies that said the drug is not only useless, it is actually dangerous, and none of those was published. Mm. It's common, the, isn't it, though? The editor mm. of The Lancet uh, is on record of saying that scientific journals today, the truth uh, may be 50%. Mm. I must say that when I look through just for specifics to create arguments around things that or to provide evidence that's published for things that I've witnessed with other people with arthritis or myself, it's actually normally fairly straightforward to support the claims with published literature. But it is also somewhat common to then be able to contradict myself by searching for the direct opposite outcome. So not in all cases, but in a lot of cases, I can find two very conflicting scientific outcomes for something that I am curious about with arthritis. So I do have firsthand experience of observing that, that sort of inconsistency in the literature. Uh, well, you know, I stopped reading things when I'm listening to myself. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. That, uh, that the thing, and I hope that this will not create uh, too much interest about my, my person because I am happy <laughs> living in the backwaters here doing my own things in my playing in yes. my well, little sense. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you'll be just fine. Um, I don't think you're going to be inundated with, uh, with requests for telehealth appointments around the world. I think what we've, what we've gotten most out of having this conversation is just a reminder that every symptom that shows up, whether it looks like arthritis or it looks like, you know, tin tinnitus or or some other some other name that we'll give it, it is all from some kind of imbalance to the uh, system that we were given to to correct itself. And your analogy or metaphor at the start, where 
we have a lot of backup systems to our well-oiled car. We've got multiple brake systems, but when they start to all break down, then we show problems in different areas depending on our, I guess, genetic predisposition. And so your approach has been to work on the on, on the core of giving the body its tune-up rather than directly going to the symptom, whatever that is. You're all about addressing the underlying working principles to rebuild health and let the body do the work. Correct. Uh, unfortunately, that one aspect that your grandparents sins, that we can't correct. But basically, for ourselves, don't overload our system with too much rubbish. And fear inhibits your brains. <laughs> and do make sure that you get supply of everything that your body cannot produce. Uh, two years ago, there was a woman in Italy that died that was the last known person to be born in the 19th century. When they asked, and she was in good health, when they asked her what does she contribute her long levity to, she said, I was having two raw eggs every day. That yolk is life, okay? And uh, that gives you essential fatty acids and all that sort of thing. But so, uh, supply your body with everything it needs, and that's uh, uh, elements and all that, nutrition, sunshine, and love. Okay? We need mm. love. Like Beatles used to say, all you need is love. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it resonates with all of us. You know, you talk about intuition. And, yeah. and uh, yourself as well. Don't abuse your body. Love yourself <laughs> and help yeah. your body. Yeah, no, that's a <laughs> wonderful place to close because, you know, I was just about to say, you know, you mentioned before about intuition and, like, you kind of get a sense and a knowing as to where the truth is at. And uh, when you speak of love, the truth becomes apparent, vastly apparent that, you know, without self-love, every all the other actions that we take are, are futile if we're not really deeply trying to give ourselves not just the physical interventions, but the uh, all of that non-physical um, structure building within. So... Uh, it's been uh, it's been a very interesting conversation, as I knew it would be. You know, we're doing this without <laughs> Melissa, and I I should have mentioned at the top of this call, and I might actually uh, I will put this back in. Uh, I'll edit this back into the top of the call. Melissa wasn't able to attend this call, um, but um, we uh, we're grateful for her story because it's brought us together, and I'm very very grateful that you've helped Melissa, uh, part of our community and also helped uh, all the people prior to Melissa with this awful condition. And, uh, and for that, you know, I express my gratitude. So thanks for coming on this call. I really appreciate it. One last thing. The acupuncture is not an event. It starts the process. And uh, that's why uh, try two, three treatments, no response, give it a break and try and try again.
Lovely. Will do. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com. Thank you.